This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Talking about Taco, the Taco Charlton era is no more, and he is officially one of the greatest busts in Dallas Cowboy draft history. You can maybe go so far as to say the only legitimate bust in the Will McClay era. We'll probably get into that a little bit later in the show, but... Uh, Taco was a problem, and one of the things that's pretty evident is that the biggest issue is that Taco did not see eye-to-eye with Rod Marinelli. And so when you hear a guy like Tank or a guy like Tyrone Crawford talk about Rod Marinelli and just the regard that they hold him in and how he connects with them and gets the most out of them, that's where I look at it and I go, Taco's going to be one of these guys that doesn't get it. You know, we were talking about this the other day when he was tweeting out free me and boy, you guys just don't know the real story. And it's like, that's the young guy that's pointing at everything else around him, saying it's everything else's fault around me and not holding up a mirror. Right. No accountability. No accountability. And and the, the Cowboys are not trying to draft a guy in the first round and get rid of him in two and a half years. That's shooting yourself in the foot. They have no desire to do that. But they're also not going to prop a guy up and just give him something if, his, if he's pouting and his body language is bad and he's the one bad example. Why are you going to reward that guy? You can't. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, for Marinelli, it's all about hustle. It's all about everybody you know, competing their arses off on every single play. It's about having waves and waves of, of talent. And uh, you know, it's not about me, me, me. And obviously he didn't fit into that culture. And for him to have zero culpability now at this point, it just shows that he's, you know, he's got people around him feeding him information, whether it's his entourage or his friends or family. Nobody's willing to help him have any accountability to really look at his own actions to see how he ended up in this situation. Like Fish was on earlier on Sean and RJ talking about, he says he wants an honest chance with another team. So think about that. I want an honest chance with another another team. Like you didn't have an honest chance, like they were dishonest, like their goal all along was to use the first-round pick on you and then sabotage your career just because they wanted to twist their mustaches with this evil plot to hold you back. It hurts the Cowboys to waste a first-round pick. You know, they're not, they're not doing that to try to sabotage you, buddy. There's a lot of people that are talking about, you know, uh, he played some as a rookie. Uh, and then it really started to derail the second year, and it started with injuries. And we can talk about nagging injuries or guys playing through injuries. I mean, all those dudes are hurt. And so what happens is is if the guys are looking at you, this happened with David Irving too, if the guys are looking at you going, man, my knee hurts, my back hurts, and my shoulder hurts right now, and I'm still going all out, but that guy's milking it, they start losing respect. And once, you know, Charles Haley said this last night on the Cowboys Happy Hour, once you lose your teammates' respect, you will not get it back. It's, it's, so maybe that's what Taco feels like. Hey, man, I didn't do anything to lose their respect. And maybe he thought he was legitimately hurt and the people around him looked at him differently. But I'd love to, to throw this out there, Shippy. It's clip number one. This is Steven from DallasCowboys.com on the decision to release Taco. 
Well, I think sometimes the chemistry just doesn't work uh, with a player. And, uh, you know, with Rod, he has, you know, certain standards uh, that he looks for in a player. And I, I just don't think they ever saw eye to eye in terms of what that standard should be. And uh, I, I wish Taco nothing but the best. And I actually think he'll go on and, and be a productive player in this league. A, a change of scenery will probably do him some good, just like Devin Smith uh, comes in here and he starts making plays and gets another opportunity. Uh, sometimes uh, that's what happens in the NFL, and hopefully that'll happen for Taco. That happened with uh, Mark Colombo, first-round pick of the Bears. Injuries washed him out there. Parcells got his paws on him here, and Mark Colombo was a great offensive lineman for the Cowboys, and now he's their offensive line coach. So Taco's young, but it's going to be on him to figure out why this went wrong. My favorite thing about this is that Tristan Hill is watching it happen. Ooh, and great point. I'm not putting them in the same class by any means, and it's super early on Tristan Hill. But it has been underwhelming for him. I mean, the first thing we heard was that he doesn't know how to be hydrated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a bad start. And, you know, he's over there in street clothes as well. And that it wasn't a first-round pick, but he was their top pick. Right. And I just I think it's good for culture – to see if a guy's not working out, even though he's a first-round pick, you're ready to move on. I think that's really good, and especially for a guy like Tristan Hill, which I, I think the, the similarities are, and KT, you can tell me if I'm mm-hmm. right or wrong on this, that you know, with Taco, is like, I don't know if you're going to get full effort out of him. That's what people were saying when he's coming out. He's, he's really talented, but I don't know if he'll get full effort on every play. And it seem, seems like I was hearing the same thing on Tristan Hill. He sometimes shows up, sometimes doesn't. Not saying they're the exact same guy, but I like that Tristan Hill is able to watch this and say, "Wow, they punted and moved on from a first-round pick." Effort-based defense, yeah, you need that all the time, and that all starts in practice and it starts in training camp. And you know, whatever is happening in the games, you know, you can show out in games and and have more effort in games. But if it's not happening consistently in practice, yeah, then the coach and other teammates are going to be out on you pretty quickly if they're going hard. And I think the, the Tristan thing's very interesting because the last thing you could have is Taco sitting around and poisoning someone else. Right. Um, but you look at Tristan, Tristan's primarily an inside guy. Now, he, that's, that's really all he is. I think when they drafted Taco, I think they saw Taco as a defensive end, but I think they also had a little bit of uh, internally going, oh, well, maybe he can play inside a little too over time. Once he gets in the system, we build him up. Like they did with Crawford. Uh, yeah, I think they saw as a, a Taco as initially to be a role player and then develop into a starter. You know, maybe bulk him up a little bit, and it just never happened. And you know, I, I this was all going to happen either way. Taco pouted when he got beat out. Taco pouted when things didn't go right. Right. Taco is not a mentally tough guy, and quite frankly, frankly, Taco thinks uh, a lot more highly of himself than anyone else does. I, was, and get making him a first round pick doesn't help him. So he well, shouldn't have been a first round pick. They know it, and I'm they, I, I give him a free pass because they don't miss. You know, but they, they missed they, very often. They so. totally deviated and drafted by position it's then. kind of what they did this year, though, when you look at it. Well, I want to throw this out. Kill. You can always text in on the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text, 877-881-1053. Some guys' personalities just don't fit with some coaches. Maybe Taco didn't do anything wrong and just didn't fit. Uh, I, would, I would just in a broad sense go, sure, I can see that. But – it's not like Rod Marinelli's some unlikable hard ass. I mean, there's a litany of guys that, that love Rod. And let me also throw this out there. If you look at, you know, if Tank believes that, I'm sorry, if Taco believes that it was the injuries that derailed him, he never got a fair chance after that. The best lineman the Cowboys have is Tank Lawrence. And he had a lot of injuries to deal with. And he fought back and then played with his injuries and earned the respect of everyone around him. The problem with Taco is that he, by their account, 
never made the efforts to earn that respect back and came off like an entitled guy. I just hate that it was a first-round pick because you can't crush Will McClay and company. They've been fantastic. The drafts have been wonderful. They just don't miss very often. It's just so weird that they'll hit on a sixth-round pick or find their franchise quarterback in the fourth and miss on a first-round pick. And it's like it's just baffling because you already knew all those things. You already knew the scouting report on it was he didn't try hard on every play. He's leaving because he didn't try hard on every play. There's no surprises here. He just You thought you could change him. It's like a, a woman who falls in love with the bad guy because she's going to change him. Oh, I can yeah. fix him. I can change him. No, you can't. It is what it is. And, you know, it was like a leopard didn't change its spots, dude. That was who he was in college, and it's who he was in the pros, and they couldn't it, fix it. So they shouldn't have made that mistake. If it was just production, I think you could deal with it. It became personality. It became yeah. pouting. It became just I, all, all that stuff. Now, I, I want to – you can text in all day, 877-881-1053 on the Autoflex Leasing Fan Text. The 469 troll has a good point. He says the problem is always expectations. Taco has one less sack than Solomon Thomas, who went top five in that draft. Mm-hmm. One more sack than Charles Harris, who the Dolphins have. Mm-hmm. That was their first-round pick. I was looking back at all the defensive ends from that draft in 2017. You know who the only no-brainer guy is from a 4-3 defensive end standpoint? We're letting, you know, we're going to let T.J. Watt go here, not bring yeah. him up. 4-3 defensive end. The only no-brainer guy in that draft was Miles Garrett, who went number one. Right. That's it. So that was, it, it was not a great defensive line draft. Which is why they shouldn't have drafted him because they were looking at going, oh, we can get really good secondary guys in the second and third round, and guess what they did? They got Jordan and Cheeto, yeah. but this is our last chance to get a defensive lineman. And as it turned out, your last chance to get a defensive lineman was the number one pick in the draft. It just wasn't a good draft for the position that they thought that they needed the most. So they went outside of the way that you normally draft and it bit him in the ass. The other thing, too, I'll say about this is that, you know, KT, your point about, and when a lot of people on the inside have echoed this, your point about it's his body language that really did him in and his pouting and his attitude. They and just going on social media. I mean. Right, and they didn't want that around. So when you're scouting a guy, it's very unlikely that you're going to encounter that in college because it's very unlikely that he's had to do that sort of stuff where he gets benched and some of those kinds yeah. of things. So that doesn't really reveal itself until later. And so unless there were some things like he didn't react well to Harbaugh or say, I think he was only with Harbaugh one year. But some of those things you're not going to see when you do your initial scouting because those guys haven't been through that sort of stuff. And there yet. are red flags are there for Tristan. I mean, there was all kinds of problems at UCF with him. Right. right. And M- maturity problems. I just, if you think you're going to fix a guy and change him – you're, you're, you're probably not. At that point, yeah. he is who he is. And especially if you're gambling a first-round pick. I get it. Later in the draft, take more of a risk. And I get it. It wasn't like a high end. It was a 28th pick, right? It wasn't a great pick in the first round. But, you know, do your due diligence. If you find out that the guy doesn't have a good motor and is not always buying in, chances are that's who he is. Now, I do want to say this about T.J. Watt real quick, and then we can put it to bed because I know it's going to kill people forever. The thing about T.J. Watt, because there's a part of me that says let it go, that could happen with anyone. Mm-hmm. You, you could have taken, traded up and got Paxton Lynch. Right. There's all kinds of things you could do. You can do that for every single draft pick in the history. But the thing that does bother me about T.J. Watt is T.J. Watt was a visit, and they did a lot of work on T.J. Watt and spent time with T.J. Watt. Ooh. So it's not like it was like something where all along they were never going to take T.J. Watt. He was still in consideration, and that's you know, it still uh, bothered me a little bit, and I'm, I'm done with it now. After I said that, I'm done with it now. 
but it's always going to well, be there. Here's the other thing. Mishota said in his article, or maybe it was, it was his article I read, that they saw T.J. Watt as a left end and they saw Taco as a left end. Man, Charles Haley last night was like, I would put Tank – I'm not Taco Tank. I'd put Tank all up and down that line. He can play right. He can play middle. He's like me. You can move him all over the place. And so if that went into their logic as well – that's a misevaluation. If well, it's Charles Haley, but that's yeah. a misevaluation as well. Right. You can't just look at TJ Watt and go, "Yeah, he can only do this, and we don't need that." Just go get the most talent and the best players and figure it out. You know, I, you TJ Watt can't put his hand in the ground. What? He can't put on fifteen pounds of muscle. He was what? a tight end before he went to like, be an edge rusher at Wisconsin. He can do it. Yeah. Like he can learn stuff. He was a tight end first. It would be embarrassing for the Cowboys, except they've been so freaking good in the draft. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are so honored. Anytime this guy calls in and he's got big news to share with us, joining us on the BuyerSafety.com hotline, the Jet is on the runway, number 31, one of the all-time greatest Dallas Mavericks, Jason Jet Terry. How we doing, Jet? Good morning, Ben and Skin. How's everything going? Everything is going fantastic, and it's always great whenever we catch up with you. And there was a big announcement this week. As you are taking a new gig, you are the assistant general manager of the Texas Legends. Congratulations. Tell us a little bit about this job and uh, and why this is a good fit for you now. Uh, well, obviously, I'm extremely honored uh, to be named the assistant GM for uh, the Texas Legends opportunity uh, presented itself and I had to take advantage of it obviously my heart is in coaching at the next level uh, whether it be college or in the pros and I just felt like this was an opportunity for me to learn more about the the business side of basketball Uh, from a GM perspective Al Whitley who's a great friend of mine serves as the current uh, GM with the Texas Legends and uh, he is basically going to allow me to be his shadow and he will walk me through the ins and outs of the daily um, responsibilities of being a GM uh, in the league. And so I just thought it's a tremendous opportunity for me to continue to grow and develop um, in my post-playing career. And then eventually uh, I'll find my way onto a sideline uh, here or there. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Uh, love hearing that. And, and so is, is, uh, do you anticipate at some point that your path, although it's probably undefined at this point, could end up being – You'd be an assistant in the pros. Would you be an assistant in college? Would you go straight to being a, a, a head coach in college? You know, how do you think that might go? Well, that, that path is, is definitely not predetermined, but head or assistant at either level. I wouldn't rule out management uh, at, at either level. Uh, again, it's just a part of me and my, my growth and my development as I continue to embark on this great journey that basketball has presented for me. I mean, it's just been an honor to be a part of a game that, you know, gives you all and everything that you've ever dreamed of, and then it opens up so many doors uh, at at every level uh, to be a successful uh, individual on and off the court. So again, I'm just I'm just thankful. Uh, who knows what the future holds? But I will tell you, in some fashion or form, it will be something to do with basketball. 
I'm a lifer. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And sometimes you got to figure out what you like the most. But right now, right now, as you look at it, what uh, you know, and I think about guys that have come through the legends, whether it's Nick Van Exel or Eddie Nahara or Nancy Lieberman. I mean, there's so many people that have come through that organization and done different things. Nick, for example, is coaching on the Grizz staff, and Stack has a job uh, on the college level. Right now, what interests you the most? Is it coaching? Is it scouting? Is it player acquisition? What aspect at this moment in your career is the most fascinating to you? Well, right now i got to stay in my lane. This is being the, uh, on the management side. I mean, I'm a tremendous evaluator of talent. Uh, I can evaluate a guy in the first five minutes. I see him in, in, out on the floor. Uh, uh, the ability to uh, also develop talent uh, is one of my strong suits, something I've been doing here in the Metroplex uh, for about you know, 15, 16 years as I continue my playing career. Uh, so, you know, those are my strong suits. Um, then if you want to talk about being directly involved on the court, obviously X's and O's is something I do well. You know, strategizing, uh, being able to manipulate a defense and put uh, my guys in the best position uh, to have success. So, you know, those, those are some of my strengths. Obviously, I have weaknesses that I'll continue to hone and develop you know, under the guidance of Al, but um, I, I feel that I bring something to the table, and we want to bring a championship to the legends. I mean, we sit back and watch RGV uh, win a couple championships here. We've watched the Warriors uh, down in Santa Cruz win a couple or, a uh, couple championships in the G League, and we want to bring one home uh, here to Dallas. We're talking to Jason Terry on the Ben Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Okay, so if you are a good scout of talent, and we do believe that, then uh, you've known me and Skin for a long time. Give us a scouting report on what type of pickup basketball players me and Skin are. Even though his name or nickname is Big Ben Skin, I mean Big Ben, uh, he is not – what you would think the prototypical post player. He can stretch it out with range, has a great shooting touch. Now, Skin, on the other hand, he's very quick, cat-like reflexes. He likes <laughs> to play the passing lane, uh, but he's very quick-witted and nimble. So you got to watch out for both of those guys. They'll be a valuable asset to any team that would love to acquire their skills. Dang. He's heading to great things, Ben. On point. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking to Jason the Jet Terry here on the Ben and Skin Show. Now, I'm hoping, I know you're busy, but you'll be able to continue to do a little bit of broadcasting. You're on NBA TV a lot. You're on Fox Sports Southwest for the pre- and post-game show. Will you still be able to uh, take on some broadcasting responsibilities? Well, I think that was the most important thing for me uh, as I do continue my post-playing uh, career is that I keep all avenues open and, you know, being the assistant GM of the Legends gives me that flexibility to continue to do what I do in the community uh, with Drive Nation. I'm also the varsity head coach uh, for a girls uh, basketball team at North Dallas Adventist Academy. I'll also be doing broadcasting for either Turner, ESPN, or Fox uh, locally. Uh, and then, again, with the Legends. So uh, it just leaves all avenues open for me, and it allows me to continue to see what I love best before I really dive in and uh, you know, take on this post-playing career. That's awesome. So awesome. We're talking to Jason Terry on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. What was the moment that you knew that you guys had a shot at winning a championship? I, I think when our team was assembled. I mean, just looking at the roster, when you got guys like Tyson Chandler. Um, at that time, Karan Butler was healthy. Um, Deshaun Stevenson, Sean Marion, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, Jason Kidd and Dirk. We knew we had the pieces, J.J. Barea, 
uh, to compete with any team in the league. We have been knocking on the door for uh, four or five years, and it was just a, a matter of, you know, getting the right chemistry involved and then having some luck as well. You know, and with Rick Carlisle at the helm, I call him the mad scientist. He will put us in a position where we could all, you know, utilize our strengths. And I think all our strengths played off each other very well. Uh, I can't forget the guys like Stojakovic, Corey Brewer, um, Cardinal. You know, all these guys were selfless players and would give anything uh, to achieve that ultimate goal. And so, you know, in preseason early, you know, we bonded. We had a great chemistry. Everybody was on the same page. And I, I just believed. You know, Jed, I don't even know that I've ever asked this question, but famously you got the Larry O. Uh, tattooed on your uh, body before the season began, and then you guys went on to win the championship. What did your teammates say or do when they first learned of this? Oh, they they said what they'd always say when they see me walk into a locker room with my robe on and cigar. Uh, Jet's crazy. What is he talking about? Uh, but there were a couple guys that kind of gave me that look. You know, like, yeah, you know what? He, he got something. I mean, we, you know, I, I see what he sees. And, you know, one of those guys was Tyson. I mean, he had been around the league now, uh, I think it was eight or nine years at the time, uh, maybe ten. And um, he was just tired of losing. You know, he, he hadn't tasted, you know, playoff postseason success. And uh, he was willing to do whatever it took. And so, you know, when you got guys like that on your team that really buy into the, the mission of the organization, I mean, it's, it's just it's beautiful and it's powerful. Man, you, uh, you do. Uh, we're, we're sitting here talking about your robe game. Uh, you mentioned r- rolling in in a robe. I think you got one of the strongest robe games of anyone on the planet because <laughs> the, the Mavericks win a championship. You walk in. I always ask you about this. You go by Bentley in a robe. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a Bentley. Was it a Bentley? A Bentley robe. Uh, okay. It's it a Bentley, Bentley in a robe. That is such a power move, and, and uh, we all love you so much for that. But not everyone can have a strong robe game. So – when do you know as a human being if you could really get out there in a robe and, and really represent nicely in a robe as opposed to just looking like, hey, man, you shouldn't be out here in a robe? Well, it's one of those things you don't, and thank God social media wasn't readily available. You would have to go into MySpace to see it. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's just one of those things, man. I'm, I'm a very confident guy, and, man, I was really feeling it. I mean, when you – achieved your ultimate goal and you worked as hard as uh, we have obviously all the math fans around the you know around the world in the metroplex uh dirt you know cube and everybody that's a part of that organization realized what that championship meant to us you know because of what we went through and so uh for me hey throw the robe on and have to hope on the left side had a little small pocket it hey if it was 10 years now they would be calling it swag. <laughs> uh, I don't know what they called it then, but the young fellas now they would say, "Man, Coach Jet got a lot of swag for busting that robe out." <laughs> it was the Jason Terry Hefner robe game. It was so so classic. All right, before we let you get out of here, Jet, you got to give us an update on your daughters, on the Lady Jets. How is everything going in that part of your world? Well, everything's all well. I've now merged my Lady Jets with Jermaine O'Neal and Drive Nation. Uh, we've, we've graduated another class. All of them will be going on scholarship uh, to, to uh, Division One, two or three schools, academically or athletically. Uh, so the foundation is strong. Just dropped my um, second oldest daughter off at Arizona State University. I hate to say it, but I man, Wildcat. Yeah, but hey, if I didn't go to Arizona athletically, that would have been the school to go socially. Not <laughs> See, that's what we've heard. Yep. 
Well, awesome, Jet, man. We always love catching up with you. We're so happy. I mean, there's a lot of things you could have done with your life, and selfishly uh, keeping you in this North Texas DFW area is great for us because uh, we, we've always been such big fans, and we consider you a friend. Congratulations on the Legends gig, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you soon. There he goes, the great Jason Terry. Uh, just an awesome dude. Always fun to catch up with him. He is going to be a part of that Legends organization. And then when Cuban bought into the Legends, it really sort of streamlined, uh, you know, the Mavericks affiliation with the Legends and just how seriously they take that. Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Got lots of Cowboys coming up. David Hellman at 11 o'clock. But before we do that, we will take it out to the star and see what Jason Garrett has to say today. That's coming up next right here on The Fan. Really wish him nothing but the best going forward. Unfortunately, it didn't work out uh, the way we wanted to. And, uh, you know, we'll give him an opportunity to go somewhere else. And we'll move on as a team. What did you guys miss in your evaluation of him? Uh, I don't want to go too deep into this. Uh, you know, we made the decision yesterday, again, in the best interest of our team, and our focus is on the Dolphins. There was nothing that happened recently, though. It was body of work and everything leading up to this point. Yeah, overall evaluation and what's in the best interest of our team. There's no more or added disappointment that you, that's a first-round pick, a guy that you guys have been successful with uh, the last however many years. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out with Taco. Uh, we drafted him in the first round for a reason. Unfortunately, uh, it didn't work out. We made the decision uh, yesterday, uh, give him a new opportunity, and, and we'll move on as a team and get focused on the Dolphins. What did you see from Robert Quinn in his first practice? Robert did a good job. Um, you know, he's clearly in shape and ready to go. Uh, didn't seem like he had any issues practicing, uh, handled the conditioning part of it well, seemed like his hand. Uh, he handled that well, wasn't an issue. So, uh, you know, we'll continue to practice him this week and see his availability and his role for the game on Sunday. Is he in a different spot than Lawrence and Crawford and Byron Jones when they were coming back from their deals because they had no offseason? He at least had an offseason in parts of training camp in terms of how much you'd want to play yeah, him I, early. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, again, he hasn't, uh, you know, played a lot of football for us uh, recently, but he was part of the offseason program, did a very good job there, did a very good job in the early portion of training camp. And he's in shape and he's ready and had a good practice yesterday. So we'll evaluate him today and tomorrow and just see what his role is and how many reps we want to give him during the game. But I did a good job in yesterday's practice. Crawford do anything today? Don't anticipate him doing anything today. And Tavon Austin, is he still in concussion protocol? Still in concussion protocol, yes. He's doing better, though. If he remains unable to play this week, is calling up a receiver a possibility if five is a magic number? Yeah, all hands are on deck in that situation. We'll take a situation day by day. Again, he did better yesterday. He worked out on the side and seemed to handle that work well, but he's still in the protocol, and we'll just see how he does as the week goes on. What did you see from Dak on his interception last week, and what do you all want to learn from that? Um... You know, just one of those plays that happened. Uh, play didn't come up exactly like we thought it would. Uh, there was some pressure inside that he had to avoid. And, uh, you know, he and uh, Randall were just trying to make a play. And uh, he threw the ball a little bit wide of Randall. You know, Randall would tell you, I should have made that play. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out for us. So, uh, you know, those guys will be in those situations. Oftentimes, plays come up exactly like you want them to. Oftentimes, they don't. And you have to react and adjust to make those plays. Both those guys have been able to make those plays throughout their career. So, unfortunately, that one didn't work out. Are there any dangers of playing a team 0-2 that's obviously struggling? Do you, do you have to say anything like to 
keep keep the motivation high not to take the foot off the gas? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is we go back to what we try to preach every day. Uh, the focus is on us and preparing and playing with an edge and, and preparing and playing to the highest standards. And that's what we try to preach to our guys each and every day in everything that we do. And, uh, and that's not going to change. It's about us. It's less... It's more about us than it is about the opponent every week, regardless of where they are. Uh, we're just trying to get better each and every day and play our best on Sundays. How does all their moves impact how you guys scout them? I mean, it doesn't seem like you can go very far back uh, to scout you know, tendencies and things that they do. Yeah, you just try your best to, to understand who they are and, and, and what those evaluations are. Uh, you know, if, if it's a personnel evaluation, it might be you're watching tape from another team or another environment that they've been in. Um, but, you know, again, uh, you have the information that you have and you try your best to, to respond accordingly. A lot of players praise Chris Richard. I spoke with Darian Thompson yesterday and he said that heart condition is something that the defense is based off of and that no one is a better example of that than Richard. Can you just talk about, from a coaching standpoint, the impact he's had on the secondary and what makes him so effective? Yeah, he's just a really good football coach. He's had a really positive impact on our team since he got here. Uh, he's very good coaching uh, individual players, coaching their technique. He's very good in coaching the scheme, putting it all together. He's very good coaching guys, um, you know, motivationally and inspirationally uh, to be their best. Uh, he instills confidence in guys. He gives them tools to play at their highest level. We have a number of examples of guys who have played their best football under him. I think he and Rod work really well together. Uh, they're cut from the same cloth. They have the same DNA about what they think is important in football. And that's what we try to emphasize for our whole team. And certainly we, we want to do that on the defensive side of the ball. And Chris has had a big impact on that. He just gets better and better the more he plays. Uh, he has all the tools. We saw that coming out of school. Um, he was someone who played a lot of different positions in college and had the physical traits to do that. And we felt like he was an instinctive guy. And uh, we put him out of corner and just wanted to see him play. And uh, the more he plays, the better he gets. The more confident he plays, uh, the more he pounces on situations. Um, you know, it's a challenging position. And uh, you learn as you go. Uh, but he goes about it the right way. He's a tremendous practice player and, and really plays well in the games and, and builds on the positive things that happen and learns from the, the things that don't go his way. So his approach is outstanding, and uh, we're really lucky to have him. What's the level of trust you guys have in Darian Thompson if he needs to play an expanded role for the first time? Yeah, Darian's done a good job for us. Um, experienced player. I think the thing you like about him most is uh, how smart he is, how well he communicates. Uh, his understanding of our defense, and uh, he really has taken a decisive role back there with the guys, getting guys lined up and helping us make uh, the right kind of adjustments. So uh, that position is kind of like a quarterback position on the back end of the defense. He's really handled that stuff well. So we have a lot of confidence in him. You guys have been able to string together a bunch of scoring drives in a row in the first two games, but also there's been slow starts. Are there certain things you can focus in on to try to improve that? Yeah, I just want to play better at the outset of the game. And, uh, you know, so much of those early drives come down to converting a third down. You know, if you make a throw and make a catch in those situations, those drives get going. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that, but I think our guys have responded well as the game has gone on. What's the plan for the two woods today? Uh, Xavier Woods, we don't anticipate him practicing today. And Antoine Woods, we don't anticipate him practicing. Uh, each of those guys is getting better, and hopefully, uh, you know, they'll improve as the week goes on. Is, uh, Donovan Wilson is um, a lot of the plays, uh, ball hawking plays that he made in preseason, a lot of times when you get these takeaways, there's kind of that risk reward 
and is he one that it can be a ball hawk within the parameters of the defense, and, and or is he kind of out there and you got to pull him back? No, absolutely. I think you described that well. I mean, he's someone who, who plays the defense the right way and then goes and gets the ball. And you saw him make a lot of plays on the ball, punching them out or picking up fumbles in practice. And then he made interception plays uh, in the game. So uh, it's hard to teach someone being a ball guy. He's a ball guy. And um, that's a really important trait for, for anybody on your defense. Uh, it's the number one trait in football. So it's something we, we certainly want to get better at defensively. And he's demonstrated an ability to do that. Is it a bit unusual, though, for someone that young? Yeah, I think it is. And so much of it has to do with um, you know, maybe confidence to be able to go make those plays and cut it loose. Sometimes you're so concerned about getting where I need to be and making sure I get to my landmark and you forget about playing. And uh, in the limited time that he's played for us, he's demonstrated an ability to do both. What have you seen from Tristan Hill in practice since the not being inactive the first two games and just his overall approach? Yeah, he's responded well. Uh, he works very hard in practice. Uh, he's getting better. Uh, he's a very competitive practice player. And I think he's understanding more and more what we want our defensive linemen to do. So no sulking or, or no, anything? No, responded the right way, absolutely. Uh, Witten has two touchdowns in, in two games. What are the benefits of having a, a bigger bodied guy down there in the red zone like him for, for your quarterback? Yeah, it certainly helps. Uh, again, you want to attack defenses a lot of different ways. It starts with running pass down there, and then hopefully you can get some matchups all across the board. And uh, you know, with the receivers outside, certainly with the tight ends and having a physical presence against maybe a smaller defender certainly helps. If you can get your backs involved, I think those are all positive things. Does he have a? We talk about his speed and how well he moves and things like that. Is, is does he have a, a short area quickness that people don't maybe have an awareness of? Yeah, like I think. Touched on the other day it was. A, yeah, yeah, I think anytime you catch over 1,100 balls in the National Football League, uh, you have an ability to get away, and he's had that ability for a long, long time. And he's very quarterback friendly. Uh, I think the, the the play he made the other day is another example of that. And uh, he presents himself well to the quarterback time and time again, really in anything we ask him to do. Thank you. All right, good to see you guys. All right, there he goes, Coach Garrett, with his weekly press conference brought to you by Ford. Ford is the best in Texas. And, uh, you know, unwilling to get into the Taco Charlton stuff. Classic Jason. Classic Garrett. Uh, we didn't really get <laughs> much out of that. I think it did catch our attention, though, at the end when, when Tristan Hill's name was brought up about him. How is he handled not suiting up? Garrett did say, oh, he's doing great. Not so last night, Ben, at uh, the Cowboys Happy Hour, Broadus was talking like he expects Tristan Hill to have an impact this week. That'd be great. Yesterday when we had Mickey on, Mickey said that Tristan was very close to being able to suit out, like he was right on the edge there. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out like Taco. Taco started slow, had a flourish, and then ended really b badly. Uh, look at Tank. Tank started really slow, nagging injuries and stuff. Really made an impact towards the end of his rookie year and then obviously had that big, huge play in the Detroit Lions playoff game. Uh, so hopefully the same thing will happen with Tristan Hill. He sees what's going on around him. He sees opportunity this week and can step up and seize it. And, you know, Malik Collins is off to a great start. There's going to be chances for Tristan Hill to make an impact on the inside, specifically on third and long passing situations. There's no doubt that this is a wake-up call for everybody, uh, especially Tristan Hill or anybody who uh, is on that fringe. It's, it's, it's going to make everybody compete even harder. You're given nothing just because you're a top draft pick. 
And I saw this from Bobby Belt. Taco Charlton was with the Cowboys for 874 days. It's the shortest tenure of a Cowboys first-round pick since 1984 when first-rounder Billy Cannon Jr. was forced to retire uh, after a spinal injury. I think Billy Cannon Jr. was an Aggie, right? I, I remember all that, and it just goes to show you how uh, how what a tragic uh, drafting situation this was. This is about as bad a misfire as the Cowboys have had. And when they were going through, uh, the morning show was going through historical bad Cowboys first-round picks, the majority of them were injury situations. Mike Sherrard, remember him? He was had broke his leg a couple times, ended up playing for the Niners, but Cowboys drafted him with a first-round pick. It, it was health that prevented it. This is not health. This is the whole team sees we have this thing going. It's positive, and there's one guy over here sulking and being a problem, so we just need to part ways with him. Yeah, uh, so there you go. There's the Jason Garrett press conference. Now, KT, you have a big appearance tonight at Marty B's oh. in Bartonville, uh, thanks to our friends at Dos Equis. Yeah, 7 to 9 tonight, and that's off FM 407. So it's near Denton, but it's in Bartonville. So that's 7 to 9 tonight. If anyone wants to come out and hang out, we're going to watch football Looks like Jalen Ramsey's going to play tonight. Yeah. So at least we can watch that and we can hang out. So uh, I would love for everyone to come out and have some Dos Equis. Last time I had a Dos Equis event, they just started rolling out some free beers for everyone. What? So, yeah. And it's probably going to be the situation tonight. I also have a chance for you to win the best seats in the house at the UNT game on Saturday night. So okay. Seven to nine tonight at Marty B's. Delicious food out at Marty B's. So, Skin, I can only assume since uh, KT is such a diehard UNT guy himself, he'll be at that football game. He'll be there. Um, uh, he has no choice because right? he's been at all of them. Well, guys, got a little double duty on Saturday. Oh. Saturday, Shippy and I, 2.30 to 4.30. What? Funcast Boomer Jacks in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to be uh, having an A&M Auburn watch party. This isn't the Funcast. No, no. I mean, it's for the Funcast. Well, yes, it is. Which the latest episode dropped today. Listen to it later on. Yeah. Um, but two thirty to four thirty p.m. <laughs> Shippy and I at uh, the the Boomer Jacks, which is off of like uh, you know eight twenty. You uh-huh. know over there 4th. off the Boomer. And then you know a Choppy's birthday party. Did you guys get the wow. Evite? Yep. Yeah. So are um, you guys going? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. We have a uh, no. We have going. a we have a four o'clock wedding with that does not involve drinking. So it's a game time decision for the Wade crew. The, the yeah. Choppy. Yes. Yeah, I'll You're be going? there. I'll be there. All right, I'm going uh, too, yeah. I, so is the fun cast, do you guys just talk about your teams? Yeah. Pretty much. So uh, I, here I was in the third round. What are you thinking? <laughs> so I was talking to my guy here. So my buddy, here's the thing. Do I want to go he tight end? drafted Drew Brees. Right. And now he's going, what do I do? Yeah, it's no, kind of that type of thing. I, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to, you know, Skin told me that he'd never listen to it. I'm going to listen to it today for the first time. I actually blocked game. it. Yeah, I used that's fine. <laughs> pod at, so I do want to mention this. Two things that are interesting about what KT's doing tonight at Marty B's in Bartonville. Number one, at some point, probably more of a February segment, I'd love to power rank the farm to markets here yeah. in the great DFW yeah, nice. area. Right. I love Four the Dallas seven. farmer's market. And then if you're like me, uh, you might have to go to Marty B's to watch the game tonight because I have AT&T U-verse. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Because the NFL is not an important product. No, that sucks. (laughs) Uh, Titans at Jags. And, yes, uh, Jalen Ramsey is going to go ahead and play, which is leading some people to speculate that their differences can be resolved. Because if you're going to trade him, you certainly don't want him to get hurt. If he gets hurt, then you can't trade him. Yeah. And really what you want him to do is to calm down and you want to figure out some way to 
to fix all that. You probably should fire your coach. You, you, the other thing, yeah. too, Ben, you're, you're right on that. But the other thing, too, is we, we did this yesterday. We kind of kind of waded into the shallow waters here during the power rankings. I guarantee you the Jags are looking around the AFC going, we can get to at least the divisional round. And then whether or not we can beat the Chiefs or the Pats, who knows. But the basic football mentality is get in the dance and just start dancing as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And the Jags have got to look at this and go, my God, man, even in our division, there's, we have a chance. He is our best player. Unless we're going to get something that significantly catapults us into the future, it really sucks to part ways with your best player when you think you're a team that's in the mix. And you'll never get full value. No. I mean, look at the deals that people are talking about, a first-rounder and a fifth-rounder, first and a player. Right. I, you know, um, So, if you know, and having Barry Church on the show yesterday, it certainly sounded like, I'm not using his words exactly, it certainly sounded like the team is not a fan of Doug Marone. And so if – uh, and by the way, I've heard it say Maroney and Marone. I've heard it both ways, so I'm not. I'm really confused. I think about when it. he arrived, uh, his family arrived many years ago at Ellis Island. It was Maroney, uh-huh. and then a guy looked at it and said Marone, and then stamped right, it. Right. He calls himself Saint Doug. Okay, so Saint Doug, uh, he's a moron. He nicknamed he needs to himself. Get, he needs to get bounced. Yeah. He needs to be fired, because if uh, if Saint Doug, as he calls himself. Uh, <laughs> If, if the whole team is, is ready to revolt, and as Barry Church said, the team would be on probably Jalen Ramsey's side, then it could be a galvanizing moment, maybe something that could catapult them, catapult them forward to fire their head coach and move on. Now, I don't think they'd do it right now because then that would kind of send the message that, hey, if you don't like what the head coach is doing, just throw a tantrum and we'll mm-hmm. replace him. But if they lose tonight, Jalen Ramsey has a good game, I mean, Marone looks really stupid. Yeah. And and I could see them parting ways at some point with him. But how long has he been there? This- He's been there since uh, 2017. Yeah, he was there he when they had the their good run. Championship game. Yeah. yeah, and Bortles had the game of his life. I'd like to see them uh, hire Barry Church as their head coach. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 